Hey everybody, Stephen here. Hope you're going super well. In today's episode, we're going to look at 12 different coping strategies for dyslexics who are doing exams, study, um, you know, whether you're doing it at a school age, whether you're a teenager, you're at university, or many adults still have to do some sort of test at some sort of time. And here are 12 coping strategies that I have found online um, that I really relate to. So let's dive into this. Okay, let's dive into this episode. So one of the things we get a lot from dyslexics is how do I cope in exams and school, uh, everything like that. Um, and we're seeing it more in adults as well. The amount of testing, the upskilling, people changing roles, um, even trying to set your driver's test. So many different um, challenges appear for us. And this is a biggie. So I wanted to dive into this. So I've been doing my research and I found some really, really good coping strategies and there's 12 of them in total. Now, some of these you'll go, I know that, but do sit and, and think about which ones affect you more. And also, you know, don't just brush over the ones that seem so simple. You know, what I, what I find with a lot of dyslexics like myself is we have this massive data bank in our head of information. Now, very often we don't use it or actually apply it. It just sits there. And so we can we can talk about it like we know it, like the back of our hand. But how often do we not actually use the most amazing information that we have learned? So one or two of these may jump out at you and go, hey, I'll give that a try. But it's really important to gather data for yourself by experiencing some of these. Um, and some of these, to be honest, are, are really simple and really obvious. Others are a bit more interesting. So let's dive straight in. I, we, we don't like small talk, do we? We want to dive straight into it. So these are 12 that I found. Um, you know, they're, they're a mixture of a few. One, one resource that helped me was called Reading Horizons. Uh, that was that, That's helped me, so I'll give them a shout out. But let's dive into number one. Don't compare yourself with other people. You know, just because someone else got an A while you got a B does not make them better than you. And now this is really, really important because so many of us at school, and I remember doing this myself, would compare myself with neurotypical people. People who are naturally better at just memorizing and regurgitating does not make them smarter or better than you. Just remember that. You know, um, if you just wanted to do that, you'd just become Google, right? You just remember all this stuff. The power is how our brains work to process and use that information. So a big part of it is to take some of the stress out and stop comparing yourself with other people. Number two, take your time. You know, especially with um, these days, dyslexia is being recognized more. They are giving people a little bit more time in a lot of places. You might be unlucky and not have been given that allowance but it's important to stand up for your dyslexia wherever possible to get that little bit of extra time because it takes off a lot of pressure. You know, as you allow yourself to take your time, you'll end up with a better grasp of the material when you're studying as well. Um, you know, you're going to be able to see concepts from different angles all at the same time. So, you know, by taking some time to really visualize it, um, you know, really, really look at it from a bunch of different angles, you're going to remember it. Three. It's okay to be different. You know, the way you're going to study is not always going to be how you were taught in the classroom. If you've been taught the neurotypical way of studying, then you're going to struggle. You know, I, I've, got a, I've got a great podcast guest coming on in the next week or so. 
um, and he teaches mind mapping as a way of studying for exams, and that's going to be really valuable for you. Um, and it's the way our brains work. Our brains work different, so so don't um, beat yourself up if you're uh, not able to study in a neurotypical way. It's like I found myself sometimes I'd study backwards for certain things. I'd, I'd need to know what is the endpoint, and then use studying um, backwards to help me actually find the information I needed to make the end part make sense. It's always different depending on what subject you're in, of course. Four, you know, especially if you're in a younger school, grades don't necessarily reflect how smart you are. So don't beat yourself up if you didn't get top of the class. You know, don't let that weigh on your self-worth. It really doesn't matter. And I can tell you that from experience. Being 35 now, I couldn't tell you where I was in school. All I know is that I, I learned some good stuff um, that I use today. And I also learned some, some crazy stuff you know, that I don't use. You know, I don't use algebra personally for what I do in my life. Um, you know, and, and I saw a joke the other day, which I loved is that, um, you know, my parents spent way too long teaching me barnyard animal sounds. <laughs> I've never had to use these in my real life. Why did they spend so much time? I don't know if you had one of those carousels with the different animal sounds. Um, you know, that was really, you know, I always used to laugh when I had one of those and played with it all the time. So, so don't, don't beat yourself up. You know, your grades are a reflection of the system, not a reflection of you. Five, take advantage of high focus intervals. You know, being right-brained, whether you're dyslexic, whether you're dyslexic and ADHD, which many are, um, or just ADD, you know, you need to um, really take power of those high focus moments. So you better to do intervals of study of about 25 minutes and then have a break. 25 minutes, have a break. Um, really, you know, really building those kind of intervals is going to help you. Three hours at a time is you're going to feel like you can't remember anything. It's too overpowering. Just remember that. Six, this was an interesting one. Chew gum to regain focus. If you're in the zone and get distracted, chewing gum is a great way to reset and continue working, especially when you are writing. You know, creating triggers like that is really awesome. So if you, if you get into the habit of chewing gum when you're studying and then you're chewing gum in the exam, it'll help your brain recognize the mode it should be in. You know, Holly, my partner, she gave me another example I've used in a previous podcast. What she used to do is have a lavender candle burning whenever she studied. And so whenever she was studying, she smelled lavender. And so what she would then do is she would get a scarf and she would actually dip it in some lavender oil. So when she was in the exam, she could smell that lavender oil and she was able to uh, recall a lot easier and get into the right space she needed to be. And I thought that was a brilliant idea. Um, seven, find a quiet place to do homework and study. You know, it's really important to remember with dyslexia, a lot of us have um, issues with really loud or really bright or really dark or, you know, areas of, of, um, of places where we're studying. You know, I, I found dyslexics can love to work in a coffee shop, which has got a lot of loud white noise that can be super awesome. There are others that can't do anything in that environment. They need complete silence to be able to focus. You know, I personally like to have a lot of music on when I'm doing study. That's kind of taking away part of my conscious mind so I can actually focus oddly on the, the work in front of me. So music really helps me focus. So finding that happy place 
um, that's going to work for you is going to be super helpful. It'll help you reorientate and focus on what you're doing. Now, number eight is really good. Find out the why. Now, I talk about this in the seven hidden traits of dyslexia um, quite a bit around finding the purpose of something. It's so important for dyslexics to understand why they're learning something. It doesn't sink in as well if we don't know why, because the why is kind of the axis of context. So, you know, when you know why something's happening, you understand why you're studying it and why the information you're trying to accept is important. If you don't have that purpose or why behind what you're studying, it just seems like white noise. Our brains are very smart at picking up stuff that's going to add value in our life. And if the only value we have is, is setting an exam, you know, it's probably not going to be valuable enough, right? So finding the purpose and the why will really, really help your brain keep interested in something and absorb the information better. Number nine, stop taking notes on every detail. People with dyslexia have a hard time filtering information, especially when it comes to taking notes. Stop worrying about taking notes on every little thing and only jot down something if you think it's super important to explore the topic um, in a deeper realm. You know, I'm a great I'm a great believer in this. I stopped taking notes years ago unless it's something super important. I will take maybe three or four, maybe five notes. And what I try and do in sessions where I'm learning is I'll spend time much more focused on listening and trying to visualize the content or the context that I'm hearing in a study session. It's made my life made me learn a lot more. You know, if I'm, if I'm, and to give you an example, when I'm doing this in, in a work context, I can sometimes get lost on the internet looking and studying and understanding new things. And I'll take time to bring that learning into an experience of something I'm doing. So maybe it's a bit of client work. I'll, I'll consider how would this learning affect this piece of client's work? What would I do differently? How would it look? How would I explain it to someone else? By looking at it from those angles, I'm much more likely to remember and use that information than if it just goes in one ear and out the other. It's the same with audiobooks. You know, if you're not going to use the information, you may as well just accept you're just you're learning it for fun. That's the real key thing to take away from that. Number 10, find out what you don't know. Often there are tests with answers, answer banks at the end of every chapter. As you begin to understand what you don't know, you'll then have more time to focus on what you should spend time studying. If pretests aren't available, you can always pull out your graded tests from throughout a semester or a study period and see what questions you may have missed. So there will be stuff stuck in your head that you've learned, but try and go backwards, which is really important. Like I always remember doing my driver's test. The great thing, like in New Zealand, it's really cool. It's like a scratch and win test. It's like multi-choice and you go and sit down and you have to scratch the answer you think is correct and it tells you if you're right or wrong. It's pretty, it's actually, a, it was, they, they do it on computers now, but back in the day, makes me feel old, it was really fun because you'd scratch and you'd know instant feedback if you'd got it right. You could also buy the pre-tests to practice. So that was really, really awesome. So by actually looking at what the you know, what are the actual questions? What are the actual tests? Practice those and then work backwards. You know, when you decide, I actually don't know much about the subject. I need to know more about it. It's going to help you focus your study rather than just trying to learn everything, which is always going to, you're always going to struggle with over time, right? 
And um, the next thing is it, number 11. It's not just about how hard you study, but about how smart you study. Find out what the format of the test is in. Now, this is really important. You know, find out what format. Is it a multi-choice? Are they asking for a big essay? Uh, what are they What are they actually trying to get for you? How can you build a picture of what you're going to be doing in that test environment? You know, how can you focus on a good outcome of feeling calm? Like I use a lot of visualization for this. If I can, if I can get a clearer picture of what the test is going to be like, I will take some time to imagine it before I go in and imagine the outcome of feeling calm and happy at the end of it, which allows me to relax into the test. I find that super helpful. You know, you don't have to, you know, you can find workarounds and solutions that work for you in the way you go, but it's really important that you've got a picture of it. It's kind of like why a, why a haunted house is scary is because you walk through the door and you've actually got no idea what's going to happen. Your mind is creating all these false pictures, the fear, you've got no idea where people are going to jump out from. But if someone actually gave you a picture of that, gave you a map of the haunted house and said, this is where people are going to jump out from. This is, you know, what's going to happen. Take a practice, walk around it before that happens. It wouldn't be as scary, right? Because you'd have a clear picture. It's the same with a test. The clearer your picture of what it's going to be like, you know, even if you experience and you sit in it and you pretend to be in the test environment, that practice will relax you massively. Um, you know, it's kind of like, you know, kind of like athletes, they do the same thing. They will practice like they're in the race they're going to be in. They will practice so there's muscle memory and there's less fear around going into that race. It's really, really important. It's why they practice on the pitch or the court or the, the track before the race because they want to know that they've been there before and they're pulling from previous experience. And that's a big one for us. You know, you don't know how important that is and how valuable that will be. And then finally, number 12 on this list is rely on logic instead of memorization. And I really like this one because logically my brain can work things out that I feel like I don't even know. I can put something in there and then wait and listen to my intuition and think logically, how do I solve this? You know, we're problem solvers by nature. We're not always memorizers. And the way they write it here is students with dyslexia rely heavily on memorization, especially during tests. Just relax. If you come to a question you don't particularly remember reading about, use logic to answer the question. And that's really important. If you've got a core understanding of the, the overall topic and you, you feel confident that you know the gist, trust in your logic to give it a go. Don't just leave it blank worrying about if it's right or wrong. Use the logic that's inside you to give it a crack. It's really, really important. And you know, the, the last thing I'd like to mention about this, and I think that there's 12 really good points there. This is one, this is a podcast you may want to listen to a couple of times because it is so important to get this across. But you know, tests are tests. And that's that's the key thing. Some matter more than others. And if you really do struggle with them, how else can you get the result? this test would would matter for do you know what I mean like if you're you know when I'm saying this like if you're if you need this test to get past a, um, a university qualification or driving how else can you get there how else can you look look at it and go hey I'm dyslexic how can I how can I solve a problem 
especially at work, you know, I find there are a lot of ways around things to, you know, talking to a boss about it, explaining it, you know, the amount of dyslexics that are coming out of the, I want to say closet, which is kind of the truth. You know, sometimes it's harder to come out as dyslexic than, than being gay these days. That's just the truth of it. You know, it's less, dyslexia feels less accepted today, maybe not 20 years ago, but today, because, you know, we feel bad about it. But the more and more people I hear that are speaking up for who they are, the more employers, I'm amazed, like there are definitely some bad employers, but there are a lot of good ones out there that do just want to see people succeed. So do mention it to them. You know, if you're in school, mention it to them. And don't let up. If you get knocked back once, get up again. Don't take no for an answer. Now, that doesn't mean getting angry at people, but say, hey, I'm smart, I'm dyslexic, and I need some support in this. How are you going to support me? And if you're not going to support me, where can I get the support? Own your dyslexia, own who you are, know you are smart, and that this is just not the way you get information across easily. That's what I wanted to share, guys. Hope that's added some value. If you've enjoyed this episode, make sure you share it. Um, and tell us your own study tips in the Adult Dyslexia Secrets group. We always love to hear from you. Have an epic rest of your day, and I'll be back tomorrow.